We've been beating around the bush for a long time, but it's time to get down to brass tacks. We're starting a new adventure on Elevate Ordinary. See you in a moment. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to Elevate Ordinary. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi. I'm Teresa Grodi. And we're back with another ordinary conversation about, oh, I did it again, another conversation about the ordinary pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty. Maybe I should say extraordinary conversation about the ordinary pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty. Whatever. We'll work the tagline out in season three, perhaps, you know. Hey, but I'm excited to be with you again here today. We, we were talking earlier. Um, we're excited to start. Uh, a new little series with you. You know, we've been, if you've been watching the show at all, you know that one of the things that we love is to talk about virtue. We love to use the cardinal virtues, you know, the classical doctrine of the virtues as a lens for looking at life, at ordinary life, at books. We've been talking about some of our favorite books lately. You know, but we we talked about it a little bit way back in the beginning of the show. Um, but today we want to start a series where we we walk through why virtue is so important why virtue elevates ordinary, why it is such a powerful uh, and important thing to us, and, and we want to share it with you. So we're going to get to that. Before I do, I want to remind you, as always, that you can go to awakencatholic.org slash donate to become part of the Awakened Nation. When you do so, when you donate there, make sure you select Elevate Ordinary uh, to support our show in particular, if you would like. You know, be part of this mission you know, of sharing truth through beauty. That's what we're about here. We want to be faithful to our Lord Jesus Christ and his church. We want to share it with the world. And Awaken Catholic is a, is a great place that's doing that. We'd love you to be part of our uh, of our ministry there. Uh, number two, if you go to theawakenapp.io, hey, that's the way to really get involved, to follow this show and other great shows from Awaken Catholic. Uh, also to get special stuff if you're part of the Awaken Nation, as well as to participate with the community and uh, interact with hosts, answer questions, uh, help us get ideas for future shows. Hey, we'd love to have you part of that community, theawakenapp.io. And um, with that, I would also like to turn your attention to our sponsor today, Select International Tours. Have you ever dreamed of visiting Paris in the fall? Seeing the beautiful Eiffel Tower lit up by a sunset. Visiting and venerating holy locations of the Sister Saints of France in Lisieux, Paris, Lourdes, and more. This fall 2021, join Select International Tours with Claire Swinarski from The Catholic Feminist, author and speaker Catherine Whitaker, and our amazing hosts Morgan Holliger and Megan Burwell from Awaken's show Naked Without Shame on a once-in-a-lifetime Seine River Cruise Pilgrimage. Join our friends at Select International Tours and Cruises with over for 34 years of experience, they are the perfect company to help you experience pilgrimage. To learn more, visit selectinternationaltours.com slash awaken. Bon voyage. Thank you, Select, and thank you guys for watching. Um, so today, uh, we're going to circle back around where we kind of started and what we've been carrying through a lot of our episodes since we started uh, Elevate Ordinary about a year ago now, right? It's about mm -hmm. how long we've been doing this. I think so. We want to talk about the virtues. We want to talk about... Um, the cardinal virtues and the theological virtues in particular. Um, and the, what we want to do today is, again, just examine, I, I guess, one of my own presuppositions here that uh, virtue is such a powerful tool and lens for us as Christians, as Catholics in general, but particularly in terms of the theme and the the audience, the, the kind of what we're exploring on this show, an ordinary life, family life, your ordinary daily schedule, your work. Uh, that we're all called, we, we've talked about this before, we know this, we're called to be saints, we're called to be holy, we're called to seek the kingdom of God, we're called to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. Um, uh, and that's true for all of us, not just priests and religious and nuns and monks, but but us ordinary lay individuals, we're called to that. But finding that in our day-to-day -day life, getting a hold in that, getting a foothold into that that calling is difficult. And what we would like to propose, what we've sort of, you know, talked about in different ways throughout this show, is how important the the virtues are to that. And so, as we kick off a study about the virtues, uh, you know, a series of episodes over the coming uh, weeks and, and maybe month or, or so, we we want to start here by um, talking about why virtue itself is so important. Yeah, I want to just pop in here. Um, I ain't no theologian, and. <laughs> 
So I would skip over anything on a scroll on a feed. If I'm looking through people's episodes that would have to do with virtue Mm -hmm. or theological terms. Um, But I have to say from the point of view of a mother, uh, like a stay at home wife, somebody who manages our property, who manages our day to day life. um, When you started learning about the virtues, Mm -hmm. maybe aside from theology of the body, this was actually the most, the most practical way of bringing holiness into my, into my daily life Mm -hmm. of, of how to actually move forward in holiness. Because what we were, we were talking about on the drive here Mm -hmm. is that holiness or um, virtue kind of seems like those statues in the cathedral. We have statues of virtues, I think in our hagiographies of of saints, like, Oh, they built 15 churches. Yeah. So, you know, like, so they're, they're unattainable totally. Mm -hmm. You know, if you were to say like justice as a virtue Mm -hmm. or prudence as a virtue, you know, you're just like, well, I mean, like I can have some prudence. I can have some justice. I can have, you know, they don't really enter into my life and order my life. Um, but when you start getting really interested in Joseph Pieper and um, St. Thomas Aquinas's uh, study on the virtues, and you started bringing that into our daily discussions, mm-hmm. um, I found the definitions of the virtues to probably be one of the most practical ways that I can actually use my intellect to become holy in yeah. every single moment I'm given. Yeah. So if you're not a theologian like me, uh, and you want to be holy in your life, I would ask you to consider really, um, uh, really consider listening to these, yeah. these virtue studies. And we're going to go through each one of the virtues, mm-hmm. uh, and in flesh it out. Intentional order. Yeah. But you know, basically what you were saying, one thing I want to say, maybe this is, this is one of my, my, my uh, this is my hook for going a little further here is that I would say that the, that the reason I'm so uh, enthusiastic about the virtues, one of the reasons um, is that I'd say that the way that they're often presented nowadays is actually counterproductive. That's the place I want to start here. The way that I think you and I, most of us, have encountered the virtues in our conversation, in a lot of the teaching we've received from them, it's not across the board, I'm sure, but so many of the places I actually heard the virtues and the, the vices consequently talked about were in ways that I think were actually extremely unhelpful because they were left at that level. Mm-hmm. You, you you mentioned like statues and churches. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have a series of M's today that I want to share that we want to talk through in terms of this question of why virtue is so important, why virtue is such a powerful uh, tool and lens and map for elevating the ordinary, why why it's such an important thing for us. But the first M is that the virtues are often um, communicated to us. What they give us is they give us a, uh, a, a measure of holiness in the sense of when we ask the question, what is Holiness. I'm called to holiness. I'm called to be holy. Well, what is holiness? Well, the virtues give us these qualities that uh, that measure what it looks like. Mm. Now, the, now the problem is, I think oftentimes virtue is left there, and we all, we simply have these unattainable ideals, these unattainable measures that they're not presented to us in a systematic way or an interconnected way. They don't really give us. We don't have a practical sense of how they fit together or how they work. And so we're just given these ideals that show us how we suck and we're kind of left there. And I think in that sense, Mm -hmm. they're often, I think, counterproductive in the way that they're presented. Mm -hmm. So like if you think you you have like a conference day or a retreat day where where you have this high and you you're like I'm going to be holy and I'm like convinced that this is what the world needs. This is what my family needs. And then you go home and you're just like. Uh, yeah, I like, need to be more generous. I need like to be more chaste, Scott Hahn, I need to be more pure. I, need I to don't be more have just. you here. I need to be more courageous. <laughs> Can but you I'm not. tell me what to do? You know, like what's the next step in this exact uh, moment? Interaction with my kids, with my wife, with my decision at work. Like, what what do I do here? And we kind of just wish that someone could follow us around and tell us what to do. Right. But it's actually the understanding of these virtues, which the church has told us throughout. Mm-hmm. It's history. The understanding of the virtues do follow us around and are present to us in every decision that we're making throughout the day. Yeah. You know, I, the, the, the context within which I first got excited about the virtues was actually in a men's group. I'd been attending this men's group um, 
for a number of years. And, the, you know, the guys would get together and talk about family life, the ordinary family life, you know, work and being married and having kids. And we'd come each week and we'd pray and we'd talk about, you know, the ups and the downs, uh, you know, and things we're struggling with, whatever. And one thing I realized after a couple of years, it was a very edifying group, you know, but we would talk about the same things over and over and over again. And I, I just realized in myself and others, like, like I know what's right and wrong, and I can I can relatively get a sense, you know, in my life the things that are lacking. But I don't really know how to change it, mm-hmm. and I certainly don't know how to change it in a you know in a different pattern over time. Like I can do something different today, but how do I change my behaviors, my my patterns, my my habits? Yeah, this this is interesting. Not to bring sex into this. Bring sex into this, Teresa. <laughs> I was just about to say, Teresa, would you bring sex into this? <laughs> Um, but so often, like, so, so our culture is obsessed with sex, obviously. Um, but like, say you're a married couple and you're having issues. You can tell that something is off with your sex life. Hmm. Well, there are a million companies and people and celebrities who will tell you exactly what's wrong, you know, like how to spice it up. How, I, I mean, the amount of sex advice that is just on the cover of Cosmopolitan magazine that's been around for about 40 years. Jeez. I'm sure at this point it's totally contradictory, like all the, the advice that they've been giving about sex. Um, but when we actually assess issues in our sexual life, Oftentimes it comes down to a lack in a virtue, Mm. not necessarily like, oh, it needs to be spiced up or you need to go on a vacation or you need, you know what I mean? Like any of these number of, of things that someone might suggest to you, or you need to go to some party where they sell these things, you know, or like it comes down to a virtue and you can, you can, you can throw as much of the stuff that people market to you into this mix, Mm -hmm. but you're still you still have the the particular vice that yeah. you're struggling with, yeah. you know, that is leading to a lack of intimacy. Yeah. And I've never read Cosmo, so I can't necessarily um, speak for the validity magazine. of their advice. But, <laughs> but you know, what's one thing that's interesting, we've, we've lost uh, as a culture and even as a church, I think the, the tradition of the virtues and vices, the, that whole teaching and what you actually find nowadays um, is that a lot of, if there, whatever there is out there outside the church, uh, about self-development and habits and routines and productivity, a lot of this kind of stuff, whatever's actually good out there, oftentimes is the virtues, the, the that doctrine mm-hmm. of the virtues just given different names and different mm-hmm. lingo. It's the same old stuff that's coming up under 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 new vocabulary, mm-hmm. but that's often what they're talking about. A lot of the you know Stephen Covey or Jordan Peterson mm-hmm. or these different people who are, or Tim Ferriss things that they write about. Not all of it's good, but the stuff that is good, mm-hmm. that's, that is helpful, oftentimes what you what you find at the bottom of it, if you have the right lens, you have the right vocabulary, is that, oh, this is just stuff. They're just rediscovering stuff that was lost from, from Christendom, from um, Western civilization. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of the point here is that the, the church had a sophisticated science of virtue and vice, a sophisticated understanding of our psycho-spiritual nature as human beings, our, how our intellect and our will and our passions, and our bodily passions, how those all work together or don't work together, mm-hmm. how, what that looks like. And again, this is even more ancient than the church. I mean, the church adopted it. It saw the good in it from the Greeks, um, although it is mentioned in scripture, you know, uh, so a, a scripture to keep in mind here to maybe go think about a little bit is is wisdom eight, uh, chapter eight, verse seven. It says, if anyone loves righteousness... Her labors are virtues, for she teaches self-control and prudence, justice and courage. Nothing in life is more profitable for men than these. So as we as we dig into this study, I mean, this, this is what the scripture is telling us. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you love righteousness? Do you want to, to answer Christ's call to be righteous, to be perfect, to be holy as your heavenly father is perfect? And do you particularly want to do that practically in your ordinary life? The, the ordinary life that we all have to live. Mm-hmm. The virtues uh, give us the lens, give us the tools for doing that. I don't know if I'm jumping ahead on your M's here, uh, but we can skip around, I guess. But so we have a lot of education. <laughs> we have a lot of access to information. Mm-hmm. You brought up wisdom here. You brought up the scripture yeah. speaking about wisdom here. Um, You know, at this time, in our world, we are full of systems. Mm-hmm. You know, the first when when we want to address a problem, 
Okay. Mm -hmm. Like say we want to address evangelization in your particular parish or whatever. You put together a system to try to fix this. Mm -hmm. Okay. And planning is good. Planning is prudent, but you can't, you can't put, you know, as, as Mark Barnes said the other day, like you can't put vicious people into a good system and expect a good result. Like you can't expect a good result. So if we, so we have tons of education and we have continuing education and we have access to all kinds of education and podcasts and whatever, but without virtue, Mm -hmm. uh, like, are we surprised at the kind of vice that we see come out of any number of systems? I mean, you can mention good systems, you know, education system, healthcare system, you know, um, economic systems, political systems, you know, we can't forget about virtue. We can't say that that's just a religious thing. Mm -hmm. It's just a religious thing to, um, to try to adopt these good behaviors because you can't put people who are, who are accustomed to vice Mm -hmm. or who are living some things vicishly, (laughs) viciously and some things, you know, in virtue and then expect that the, any kind of plans or systems are going to work. We really do have to bring us back to making the habits of virtues. And can you tell us what the virtues are so that we keep saying virtue and we don't, we know what we're talking about. Maybe just give a quick um, overview of each virtue. Right. So virtue means, well, I mean, there's a lot of different definitions, but virtue, we're primarily talking about uh, habits of soul. Okay, so good habits of soul. That's what a virtue is. It's it's the, the full flowering of an aspect of your human nature when it's working as it should. Now, the it, classically, the Greeks and then the Christians picking this up from the Greeks identified in, again, this is not some external system applied. This is identifying things that are already there in human nature. Mm-hmm. That prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance are these four cardinal virtues. Now, cardinal comes, I think, from the Latin uh, uh the root meaning, the hinge. These are the hinges of the moral life. Now, for the Christian, we recognize that our life is always this this um, this providential interplay between God's grace and our action. It always begins, proceeds, and and continues through God's grace. Um, you know, whenever we we make a good act or we we have a good intention, that always started with God's grace. But God gives us free will. And he waits for us to act, to make decisions. And so insofar as we have to exert our wills and act and practice and, and try, the virtues describe what that looks like and what that looks like when those individual actions become habits over time. Okay. So again, fortitude, uh, um, sorry, prudence, justice, fortitude, and temperance. Those are the classic uh, four cardinal virtues. Now, Christianity also uh, has identified faith, hope, and love as these theological virtues. We'll talk more about those later. That's talking more about God's grace, what he gives to us. But strictly on the level of our humanity, our active, conscious life is trying to just be human. Uh, those are the four virtues, prudence, justice, Can you tell us just a, a real quick what, what each one of those And means. here's my executive summary of the four cardinal virtues. We're going to dig into each of these, again, spe- specifically thinking in terms of our ordinary normal lives that we want to find the extraordinary and we want to, we want to be saints in, but prudence is primarily this, this habit of turning to reality and being a person of truth and reality rather than living in a lie or a fantasy or just going through life. Just try not to think too much about it because life is difficult. Prudence is the habit of turning to and staying in truth, in reality. That's number one. And that, that is a foundational virtue. I mean, you can't go beyond. You can't grow. You can't, you can't be an active person unless you start with truth and reality. So prudence turns to reality and it, and it attends to the truths of things. One of the primarily primary things that prudence attends to is justice. Now justice as a virtue means to give each his due. That's what justice means. Justice is referring to the objective reality of the web of relationships we live in uh, as human beings. God created us, so we have a relation to this person that is God. We we come into a family, so we have these relationships with family members. We have friends. We have a spouse if we got married. We have children if, if children came about as a result of that marriage. Uh, we have an employer or employees or friends. 
in all those relationships, there are real things that are due to other people by nature of the relationship and by nature of what it means to be a human being. Mm -hmm. And so justice means to be a person who not just one time, but makes a habit of attending to the reality of those relationships and then doing right by those relationships. Mm -hmm. And again, we're going to dig a lot more into justice specifically in thinking in terms of a family, ordinary work uh, life uh, as we go. But that's, that's the executive summary of justice. And then you can think of courage or fortitude. They, they both, both terms apply here, courage or fortitude, and then temperance as these pillars the, that guard um, our ability to, to do ju justice, to see that the good is done, that justice is done. We, we identify what we need to do. That's prudence and justice. But then courage is that virtue by which we do what we do, the just thing, the right thing, especially when it's hard, when it's, when, when it's difficult to do, when we're afraid or when we're in danger or when we're uncomfortable, but we push, but we know what's right and we do it. Well, that's a habit of courage. That's this, this virtue of courage of fortitude. Uh, again, either whatever term is most familiar to you. And the other one is temperance. And temperance is the virtue that turns inward and looks to the, the inner life of the body and the passions and the, you know, the, the drives and desires. It, it looks at that and, and seeks to put that in order. Uh, Aquinas calls temperance serenity of spirit. It's this serenity that arises from inner order. Mm. Uh, and so again, I, in prudence and justice, I identify what, what needs to be done in my life, my responsibilities, my routines, you know, the hierarchy of goods that I individually am called to pursue in my life. Hmm. And, and temperance is about um, setting myself in order so I can get those done. Yeah. Yeah. I guess uh, the motivation, <laughs> you, you mentioned the motivation for yeah. um, doing the virtues Yeah, is particularly that ordering, yeah. that ordering yeah. of yourself so that you have a serenity right with which you can live mm -hmm. so and freedom yeah not to pick on this kid but i'm going to give an example i'm a practical person okay yeah. so it's summertime yeah we don't have a no solicitor sign on our door <laughs> okay so and i, I mean i like company <laughs> <laughs> So listen away. So in summertime, expect to have to talk. Yeah, it's summertime, and we always have high school and college age kids come to our door, saying that they're from some company that's helping some neighbor, and we just wanted to extend the discount into your domain, mm -hmm. you know, of like lawn care, uh, bug removal, <laughs> windows, whatever. Yeah. Um. So this kid comes to the door. Mm -hmm real stand-up looking kid yeah okay really like clean cut you can tell he's really intelligent mm -hmm. okay and he knows how to say his thing really well but you know i'm a woman and i have intuition and my intuition is very good so as we're talking he can tell he that i can tell when he's telling a lie and i can see it in his eyes mm -hmm. you know like there's like a little bit of like a What's she going to say, uh -huh. you know, or I, I just got to put the next line in there, you know, or it's usually $400. Like I could just tell that this like stand up kid who was ready to talk to me at the door as he's saying these things, mm -hmm. he sees my, like we, he knows he's not stupid. Mm -hmm. He knows I know mm -hmm. that he's telling this marketing thing. Yeah. Right. And he knows that I'm reacting in kind of somewhat a lie <laughs> to what he's saying because I'm letting him say it, you know, and I was like, Oh, oh yes. Yeah. You know? And I'm just, I like, as I was, I was this close, this close. And I was just like, do I want to give this kid this trouble this day? But I was just thinking to myself, like he's building a habit. This company is teaching him to build a habit yeah. of lying to people's faces. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to be, I, I should have, Maybe uh, so beware the next kid that comes to my door. Beware. You might get this to just be like, what are you doing, man? For money. Mm -hmm. I know that there's like five untruths that you just said in that sentence. You know it and I know it. Yeah. You know? So what kind of habit is this? Like I worked at a I worked at a bar too, mm -hmm. and I would overhear the stories of the pharmaceutical salesman 
who would go into the office, they'd buy a ton of a ton of food from our restaurant and they would tip us so well. Mm -hmm. But then you'd hear these stories about how they think about the doctors and the nurses and the people and like what they have to say. And and like they have built a habit of lying or telling partial truths. And the whole point of why I'm why I'm doing this thing is that on the inside, you know it. Mm -hmm. That kid who is standing at my door. Whether or not he he knew how to say it, there was a fear there, a fear of, is she going to ask me a question that I can't defend? Like, who's that person, Jim and Pam, that you just mentioned down the street? Who's that person? I don't know them. What street are they? Are you at their house? You you live this life of fear continuously. Mm-hmm. And that's a terrible place to be. Yeah. And bringing virtue into every area of your life, your work life, your financial life, your, you know, your um, interactions with your kids, your interactions with your parents, your interactions, bringing virtue into it gives you peace. Mm -hmm. The peace of being a person who does not live in fear of lies or being found out or being made shamed. You live a free life. Yeah, and those those things are already in all those areas of my life. That's but that's part of what you're saying here is that um, the reality is in in all areas of our life we're building momentum. That's that one of the M's here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna recap to see right. where we are in all the M's here in a moment. But every action with every action you're building momentum in either virtue or vice. Mm-hmm. You're building momentum in either being a person of truth or a person who who resorts to lies. You're being a person uh, who who grows in momentum of seeing what's right and doing it when it's hard or a person who always um, Mm -hmm. thinks twice about that whenever there's discomfort. You're building momentum with each decision you make. And again, that's true for for all the decisions. And so when we think about the ordinary life, the daily life, every day we have a thousand moments, a thousand decisions, a thousand opportunities to either be building momentum in these areas in virtue or or the other direction. So uh, let me recap for a moment. Okay, mm-hmm. so I, I began this, I think most of the time when we we hear virtues, you know, in a homily or we in a book, in my experience, this was my experience as I as I dug into it again from from that realization in men's group that wow, I we're we're saying the same things over and over again, but how does one go about um you know, changing your patterns, changing your behavior, changing your habits, developing good habits. And it made sense. Well, virtues involve habits. So that must be a thing. But I realized that all the times I'd been presented with virtues, there were these piles, unsystematic piles of these qualities of these measures. That's, that's our first M here that the virtues are presented to us as, as a measures. And that's good. They're ideals. They, they, we, 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 we've set them up there and we measure ourselves up to them. When we ask what is holiness, well, this is this is what holiness is. Jesus was prudent and just and courageous and temperate and all the other virtues, all the other qualities, you know, humble and generous, all these other things. They're measures of holiness, but if we leave them simply at measures, they're just they're unpractical, they're unhelpful because we don't know what to do about that. So the first is measure, but the second one, I and again I gave you that executive summary of the cardinal virtues, they give us a map. They give, if especially presented rightly, again, the classical cardinal virtues in that order, prudence, justice, courage, and temperance, there was a, there was a, a meaning to that order. There was a meaning to that cascade because it tells us about our own human psychology, intellect, and will, and passion. And we're going to dig more into that as we go, but, but my, my point here right now is that they give us, if we understand the virtues properly, they actually give us a, a very practical map of of, of those qualities, how they fit together, how they relate to each other, um, and how uh, our own psychology and behavior and habits work. And so they mm-hmm. give us this map that we can begin to to refer to as we analyze our schedules, our routines, our life, our uh, you know the things that went well in my day, the, the difficulties that I'm having. They give us a map for, for analyzing those. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a measure and a map. Before we go on to the next one, I want to remind you again of our sponsor today, which is Select International Tours. A quick word from them. You. 
Yeah, you. You know you've always wanted to go to Paris. Well, now's your chance. If you go with Select International Tours, the sponsor of today's Awaken Catholic Show episode, you can join Claire Swinarski from the Catholic Feminist Podcast, as well as author and speaker Catherine Whitaker and our amazing hosts Morgan Holliger and Megan Burwell from Awaken's show Naked Without Shame on a once-in-a-lifetime Seine River Cruise pilgrimage in France. Visit and venerate the Sister Saints of France in Les Yeux, Paris, and more. Sacre bleu! Learn more by visiting selectinternationaltours.com slash awaken. Very good. Thank you, Select. Okay, so the virtues give us, in relation to holiness, in relation to this call to be saints, they give us a measure, they give us ideals, but again, if they're left there, I think oftentimes they're almost counterproductive because they're just intimidating. They're just all these ways that I, yeah, I'm not Jesus. I'm not a saint. I'm a pretty crappy person. But they also give us a map. That, that's a first practical thing. That, and especially as we dig into these virtues more, you're going to see how they give us a map that we can refer to, to to begin to put order, to find our bearings in day-to-day life, in our decisions, our habits, and all that. Um, but more practically still, once we have that map, they really give us the means. And this is, again, what you were referring to at the very beginning, that um, discovering the virtues really gave us a vocabulary and a framework for for looking at our lives and really being able to discern practically the next steps. Like, what do I really need to work on? Where where am I really falling short? What what are the things I actually need to do um, mm-hmm. in my life to to make change? And so again, we you know thinking in terms of our daily life, in terms of um, you know that you you get up in the morning and you have to make a plan for the day and you go throughout the day and you encounter you know difficulties and fears and and discomforts and in at the same time always within you've got this this whole inner life of desires and drives and you know ups and downs of emotions um when we when we analyze what's going right or wrong in our life the virtues actually give us practical uh concrete footholds about about what we should do. And a great example of this, we were really taking out this idea of prudence. Again, we'll dig more into this as we go, but prudence is this habit of turning t- towards and remaining in reality. And once you begin to to, to sit with that virtue and, and study it and analyze it, you realize how much of your life you live imprudently. That is, you simply go through your life reacting, letting life happen to you. Mm-hmm. And then once in a while, you're shaken out of that, and you become woke, so to speak, again. You know, and you and you and you maybe maybe you're forced to to look at the the reality of your life. But but if that's one of your difficulties, again, making a habit so that it's not such a rude awakening when it actually comes on you to be a person of truth. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's let's take a practical example. Hit me. Yeah. Uh, so we can walk through the virtues with it and yeah. sell you on this idea that the virtues are worth studying. Mm-hmm. So let's just say you want to be your, your goal is that in your ordinary life, you want to become a more virtuous person. Okay. And you want to build virtuous habits. Mm -hmm. So perhaps the first thing you do is you look at the reality of your situation. Mm -hmm. Okay. The reality of my day today, let's make a a fake, but real day, um, is that I spent the whole day feeling frantic Okay. I did get dinner and lunch and whatever on the table. I ate well, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, I have these things hanging over my head, uh, present things, you know, like um, chores and things I have to do later in the week. But then I also have like further things like, are we saving enough money for a house that fits the size of our family? Are we saving enough, uh, you know, mm-hmm money or putting steps into like all these dreams that we have for each other. Are we actually taking active steps towards it? And that's Mm -hmm. kind of hanging over my head. Um, And then I get to dinner time and we have dinner and then I'm really tired, tired and really irritated at the kids. And I just want to spend time with you. Mm -hmm. And so we put the kids on an iPad and then we sit and watch agents of shield for like three hours (laughs) and eat chicken wings. And then we go to bed. This is a completely hypothetical example. And then we go to bed. It does not resemble reality in any way. It's just a. We go to bed at eleven thirty <laughs> when we know our alarm is going to ring at four thirty. Oh yeah. Because we need at least two and a half hours before the children wake up and are allowed to get out of their bed because their doggy clock says green mm-hmm. uh, at seven o'clock before we have to start the whole day over again. Yep. And I get to the end of the day and I feel like my life is going nowhere. 
I have all these ideals and great things that I want to do, but zero practical ability to implement them. And that my life is just going to become this endless garbage heap of things and chores I can't you know, just like, I'm just going to be floating downstream the rest of my life because I'm too frantic. This uh, hypothetical example is pretty dark. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so let's, let's start with the first, the mother in the mold of all virtues. So if I was to practice prudence, which is a right response to reality, mm-hmm. first I have to assess my reality. Right. Right. Which you just did. Yeah. And so that was so. like assessing my reality. <laughs> Um, I mean, in a sense, you did an examination of conscience. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, you know, classically, you know, uh, a constant bit of spiritual advice um, through the ages has been to that you daily need to make an examination of conscience. And we've all heard that. Well, well why? You know, I mean, other than to just feel bad about yourself at the end of the day. Well, no, it's it's to look at first what really actually happened, the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but also then to, to ask and to maybe try to identify before the next day, what is a way I can make the patterns mm-hmm. of this day a little different than next. And uh, again, so we're talking about the, about prudence here, this turning to these realities, prudence, you have to recognize too, that prudence is also not just about the, I- about the ideals. It's about what's actually available to me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, prudence is looking at, yeah, what is true and what I'm called to, you know, the big beyond ideal stuff. But it's also saying, yeah, but, but right now in this moment, this day, I have to take a, a, an actual step. You know, how do you aid an elephant? Well, you do it one bite at a time. That's the mm-hmm. classic joke. Well, prudence recognizes that, that I can become intimidated. I can, I can sometimes try to do the whole thing at once or imagine the whole thing at once, but I have to break it down and say, no, what can I, what can I start here and now with, mm-hmm. you know, and so that, um, the examination of consciousness is a, is a great practice of the habit of prudence, the habit of turning to reality, even if it's mm-hmm. been a bad day to turn and recognize that I can still draw some good out of it. If I can learn from it, that's a habit of prudence, a habit yeah. of, of, um, actually one of the perfections of prudence is, is memoriam, you know, memory really attending to what's happened and trying to carry the meaning of that with you to try to really learn from what's happened. And again, how often do we not practice this in life? Do we practice precisely the opposite of going through life, just reacting, letting life happen to us, and then even just turning it off and not even thinking about it? Mm-hmm. Well, we're, we're, we're missing the good that can come out of even the bad when we learn from it. Yeah. yeah. So then, so after we do this examination of conscience yeah. and look at our reality, um, next would be justice, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. So we said justice was giving each his due. Yes. So in the scenario, totally hypothetical scenario that I just laid before us all, justice, I would say first I am due God. Mm-hmm. Okay. I am due. I, I, yeah, God is due. Yeah. Okay. So tell me, tell me in that scenario, I'm having a hard time saying. Oh, sure. Well, due. I mean, yeah, one thing that we, especially when life is messy, that we, um, justice, the, the analysis of justice in our lives can be wide and varied. I mean, we have lots of relationships, but we do know that it always has one pinnacle, one highest relationship, and that is our relationship with our creator. And that's the thing about justice. There is a real hierarchy. There, there's not this, this, the relationships aren't all equal. Mm-hmm. You know, there is a highest relationship and then there's a hierarchy below that. You know, my relationship, my, what I owe to my spouse is 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 more than what I owe to a random person on the street now. And, and even more to, than to my children, because the way I live out my vocation to God, because I'm a married woman. Oops, mm-hmm. I don't have my rings on today. <laughs> oh, my son is afraid that someone's going to propose to me when I don't have my rings on. And then I'll, he's like, what will you do? <laughs> so, whoops. Um, so I'm a married woman. So... I have promised to God mm-hmm. that the way I am going to live out my life is by being faithful to my spouse. Right. And so in that scenario, my spouse comes first. Mm-hmm. So things that I decide can't harm my relationship with my spouse. So if I say, TV just gets in my way. I'm going to throw the television out. We're going to turn the Wi-Fi off. We did do that once. Um, but I, but it was a it was a joint decision. Um, but the point is, is that I cannot harm my relationship with my spouse by mm-hmm. any decision I try to make mm-hmm. um, 
in this day. Um, and then the next hierarchy is I am due to my children. All right. My children are due. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, I, owe to I, my children. I owe to my children. Um, yeah. and then, you know, I, I owe to family and then I owe to yeah. neighbors and then and, I owe to my parish or I guess I owe to my parish before. And I part of the practice but. and the growth in the, in justice as a virtue is precisely to work out that hierarchy. But uh, again, the, the, the really practical thing here is that at any given moment, especially when life is messy, um, we can know that we, we ne- it never hurts to put first things back in the first place. Mm-hmm. If the hierarchy is out of order now, some again down that hierarchy a little bit, you know, there's more of a discernment process, Mm -hmm. but we know that God has to be at the top. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the first things we recognize if things are out of order in our lives is the question of, am I at least practicing justice in the sense of putting the highest thing first? Yeah. It's like unkinking a hose. Mm -hmm. Like when you put first things first. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I mean, Lewis has that famous quote. I, I can't, I mean, the paraphrasing it is that, you know, if you, um, if you put second things first, you destroy both the second and the first things like yeah. you, you mess them up. There, there's a real hierarchy here mm-hmm. where you, when you put first things first, that is when you put prayer, when you put worship of the Lord mm-hmm. first, then there's a, there's a cascade of, of grace, of, of peace, of order mm-hmm. um, that proceeds down from that. You know, yeah. the, it's, there's another, you know, the old analogy you've used of when you put your life uh, together, I mean, you use the image of rocks in a bottle. You know, if you put mm-hmm. the little rocks in first and then the medium sized rocks and the big rocks, there's not enough room in the thing, but if you put the big rocks in first and then the medium rocks around them and then the pebbles and then the sand, there somehow is room for all the rocks, all the things in your life. Well, it's a great analogy for when you put the first things first, suddenly you actually do find you have more peace, more, um, more room in your life, more, more because you're practicing virtue. Mm-hmm. You actually have greater capacity for you. Yeah. So I guess in, in that particular thing, I would have to say that like, I need to make space for prayer. Mm-hmm. I need to give God his due, um, in, in that daily life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and that, and that I can trust in doing at the very minimum that, that it's going to only make the other things in my life better. Mm-hmm. Okay. That doesn't necessarily mean like, I'm going to say as me as a married woman with three very young children, right. that I'm going to say all three mysteries, mysteries, the rosary. Well, not mysteries. What are they? Decades. Not decades. You know what I mean? Uh, Liturgy of the Hours? Four. All four things. Right? Oh, all the different. All the yeah, different things it, of the rosary. Sets of mysteries of the rosary. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and to the Divine Mercy Chaplet, and go to Mass, and, you know, like, it, it does mean that I have to give God his due. I need mm-hmm. to offer this day to him and, you know, give him my time in the morning and talk mm-hmm. through things with him. And again, that, that's not a particular amount of time, but I think, you know, one of the most practical ways that happens is just by making sure that when I think about my rhythm of life, my schedule, my plan, mm-hmm. that the first thing and most sacred thing in there is time for prayer. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a small amount, the point is it's the first thing in there and then I plan my life around that. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it starts small, again, prudently starts small because maybe we're building up the habit of prayer, mm-hmm. the fact that we at least we at least plan it and we work at that thing first, that that's our primary priority that will yield a lot of fruit. Yeah. And then again, being a married woman, perhaps in that scenario, I should have intentional time with you. Yeah. You know, and so I could look at that day and say, well, do we need three hours of agents of shield (laughs) or do we need, you know, like, do I need to, do we need to remind ourselves of the goals that we're working towards or do we, we need to yeah, hang out have, together and talk and do a puzzle? We have this recurring something? thing in our lives, you know, where occasionally you'll come to me and you'll say, oh, we're overcommitted. We have too many things on the schedule, yeah. too many things on the calendar. You know, our life is just constantly a mess. And I'm, and I think to myself in those moments and I, and I try to gently remind both of us that, well, we've been busier than this before. Mm-hmm. We've had more things on the schedule. We've had more responsibilities and commitments and events going on where we've been more, um, a team, Mm -hmm. we've been more at peace. So it's not simply a matter of how much is in our life. It's that there's something going on with our relationship with the Lord or maybe our relationship with other, Mm -hmm. more often it's, it's, it's our relationship, the the habits of whether or not after God, we're really prioritizing time and attention and connectivity Mm -hmm. with each other. So I mean, that's just, I mean, some examples of here of the, the analysis of, ju- of justice. Um, again, with the other two virtues that we mentioned with courage and temperance, again, you, when you make that uh, examination of conscience, 
oh, I, I yelled at my kids today and, oh, I was lazy here and I watched too much TV and, you know, like whatever those things may be, we, we, we recognize that we, we've sinned and we apologize for those things. But part of that examination of conscience is to ask, well, why, how did that happen? What led up to that? Mm-hmm. And again, this is part of where the virtues are so powerful is we recognize, well, was I operating from a place of fear? Okay, I knew I needed to do this and I, and I didn't do it. Why was I, I was afraid of starting it or I was in danger or I was just uncomfortable and I'm not a person who does well with discomfort. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe that courage, really attending to courage in those scenarios and to the growing in courage in my life overall is really where I need to work at. Or if I'm a person that my inner life is just a mess, my desire for food or for drink or for mm-hmm. being affirmed or, or any of the other ways that are, are natural and good drives and desires that God gave us as human beings, any ways that those are out of order or one is trumping the rest or, mm-hmm. or, or any of those are the things that are causing me to not be able to, to do what I know is, is right, well, then it's a matter of temperance. I need mm-hmm. to temper those desires. That doesn't mean to eliminate them. Mm-hmm. They're good things that God put in me, but they need to be brought into harmony. One needs to be pulled back and brought into a, a harmonious whole. Yeah. Sometimes with temperance, so yeah. bringing temperance into the situation, yeah. sometimes it's like, well, we had chicken wings four nights in a row last week. Completely it's clear. Yeah. Like it's clear that we shouldn't be indulging so much, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's that, but then there's also like the opposite of like, or a different part of temperance, which is just like, I have too many things. So, and I don't have enough me to take care of everything. So I'm just going to become a minimalist and I'm going to just start throwing everything away and clearing off all the stuff. And I'm going to make my house completely like minimalist because then I won't be able to take it. And we, we do have too much stuff. People have too much stuff and we Mm -hmm. do need to call the amount of stuff that we have, but that's a reaction to a feeling, to a passion. I'm, I'm doing something crazy because what I really what I probably know I really should do is be like, there's not enough of me to go around you. Like we may have to have a conversation of how you are going to help me with chores, which he really does. He helped, he does more chores than I do, but then also how we are going to help the children participate in the household so that I have less to do as the manager. Like, um, and that takes courage. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, it also takes courage, for it, particularly when like in spouses, like if we know we shouldn't be watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but we know the other person is going to get poopy if we mention it. And that that could go either way for us. So I'm not just pointing at my husband <laughs> and um, saying mean things um, like it takes courage to be like, would you want to do a puzzle instead tonight? You know, or like, let's do 15 minutes of cleaning up the kitchen before we sit mm-hmm. down too. It takes courage. And sometimes you don't want to do that because you, I'm a reactor and yeah. you, I know get hurt sometimes by my reactions, my sassy <laughs> reactions. When you suggest that we do something that will make <laughs> me happy in the end, you know, yeah. or addresses my problem. So yeah. Or like sometimes we'll be like, I'll be like, we can't homeschool anymore and just never, whatever. We're going to send our kids to that charter classical Academy school, you know, but again, looking at like, that's, that's intemperance. I'm like using my feelings and my passions and just saying like, we're going to change our lifestyle completely and entirely. And so that I don't have to actually deal with this problem. You've you've described a couple (laughs) of scenarios there where, yeah, we often, we often live from a place where, um, where we're being pushed or pulled around by our emotions and our emotions and our passions are good things. That's part of what this model helps us to see where they fit, but they can't be what, what drive us. We have to be people of prudence. We have to be people who step back to look at the realities of things. And then sometimes our, our passions are aligned with, with the right thing we should be doing. And that's great. Sometimes it isn't. And we have to gently nudge those horses back on track. Now, I don't want to get too much into the weeds here on this. We've been trying to talk, give some examples of how the, the virtues give us a practical framework and vocabulary for analyzing our life and making decisions and, and beginning to make a plan for moving forward. But we're going to get much more into that as we dig into mm-hmm. the virtues themselves. But so to, to recap, what we've talked so far about today, the M's we've talked about so far today, the virtues in relation to holiness, in relation to being saints, what they give us first is a measure. What is holiness? What does it mean to, to imitate Christ, to be like Christ, to imitate the Heavenly Father? Well, virtues. The virtues give us those measures, those ideals, the qualities. Okay, But more than that, they give us a meaningful and ordered map 
in the cardinal and theological virtues. And we're going to learn more about that map, why the order of those virtues is important, how they interconnect with one another, you know, how with sub virtues, other things that didn't, that don't make that list, how they're connected to these virtues. And so again, a, a greater map to understand of, of what virtue and vice is, how we as what our human nature is like, how behavior, like translating truth into uh, behave, decision and, and behavior and habit. How does that work? The virtues give us a map, but they also, through the lens of the virtues, they give us the means. That was my third M mm-hmm. that they, they give us a way to identify practically. What are the next steps? What mm-hmm. do I actually do? What needs to be changed? Where's my biggest sticking point? They give us kind of that foothold, the means there, mm-hmm. but a few more M's here. You know, the thing I love about the virtues, why it's so important to our ordinary pursuit of truth, goodness, and beauty is um, that they give us, I think, they give us motivation. We, we deal with this issue in the spiritual life of, I know I ought to pray, but I just can't, I'm just not motivated to. I know I, I'm called to be holy. I know I need to do all these things, but I, I, I don't have motivated. I, I, I just, I can't get around to doing it. Well, one of the things that happens when we practice the virtues is we actually get a taste. We taste and see that the Lord is good. When we imitate Christ in one of these ways, when we taste, a, a good example of this is, um, uh, Actually, so using an example recently, we talked about Pride and Prejudice, the, the great book by Jane Austen. And we talked about how in that book, we're able to explore imaginatively through her writing virtues and vices, through her characters. You know, we encounter you know, vivid portraits of pride and prejudice, as well as vivid portraits of prudence and justice mm-hmm. and courage. When you get a taste of those, either through your own experience of practicing them, or through another person, or through a, even a character in a great book or movie... You, you get a taste of what goodness is. Like we're called to be good. We're trying to imitate the goodness of the Lord. But what is goodness like? What does it taste like? What does it actually look like fleshed out? Well, we see that in the qualities of the saints of Christ, of these characters we experience in other people as we encounter them uh, and in ourselves when we practice a virtue. When we get a, a taste for what it feels like to be a person of more courage, that gives us a motivation to, to press on. That God beyond these difficult, maybe the difficult starting points, God has something better for us. Mm-hmm. He wants to transform us into, into something more. Yeah. So I think that is an important M here that virtues give us uh, a sense of a motivation. They also give us another M here is momentum. Now a big part of what virtue is, is, is habit. It's not just individual actions. It's, it's that, as we said at the beginning, every decision we make, every action we take is building our momentum um, in one direction or the other. Mm-hmm. And we can know that we're called to be saints. We know, we know that we're called to be holy, but sometimes we look ahead at our life and all we just see is an endless series of difficult decisions and tasks. And that can be rather daunting. Mm-hmm. But the reality that the virtues show us is that, well, that's it's difficult, but the more I practice courage, the more of a courageous person I become. Mm-hmm. Someone for whom it's the habit of my soul to to identify the good and to press on with it even when it's difficult. Yeah, I think yeah. like in AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when they bring in people who are so many years sober, right. like those, that's really important. I remember one time Christopher West, um, he came to our college yeah. and he's a speaker on theology of the body. Um, so the church is teaching on God, sex, and the meaning of life. Yeah. And he he said something like, it's been 10 years I've been chased 10 years, you know, and I remember thinking back in my college days, like, oh, that's, how, how, how has he not had one, like one and he has to, he either has to be lying or this has to be possible, you know, and now however many years, 10 decade down the road, yeah. it like, it's, it is possible, yeah. you know, but it doesn't seem possible to remain chased even one more yeah. week at the time. But then once you, you do, it's, it turns into years, it turns into, and it, it has become a habit yeah. of the freedom of chastity. And, you know, it's interesting, even those habits that you're describing there, mm-hmm. so a person who's you know had this momentum in a certain area, I mean, even that can sometimes strike us as sort of intimidating. Mm-hmm. But think of the other habits we, we build in the spiritual life. Like what about the uh, we, a habit of humility, of returning with ever greater zeal, uh, and trust in the Lord whenever we fall. So that it's not just that, okay, I sinned 
and and then I I I, uh, I get up the gumption to go confess it and, and make peace with mm-hmm. the Lord. But that no no I make a habit of courageously getting right back up mm-hmm. the very next moment or the very next day, getting right back up and, and fleeing to God's mercy. That may be so difficult the first time, mm-hmm. but to make a habit of that so that it becomes easier and easier. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, prudence is another great example here. I think if we think about how often we go through our life asleep for all intents and purposes, just just reacting, just doing kind of just being pushed and pulled around in our life, just reacting to what happens, just going through what's what's comfortable and familiar, and then those moments when we wake up, you know, either either a, a tragedy happens in our life, or maybe in a, maybe God gives us the grace in a moment to really see our lives. Well, that may be difficult. That may be bracing the first time it happens, but to practice prudence, to practice being a person who goes, who remains awake, it may, get, it may be difficult to start, but you can form a habit. You can become a person who uh, develops a taste for reality. Mm-hmm. You may have uh, had a, a habituated taste for unreality, for fantasy, mm-hmm. uh, for going through life asleep, but you can develop the taste. You'd prefer to live in reality even when it's difficult. Mm-hmm. And that's, again... But the virtues aren't talking about just individual actions, but these habits of soul over mm-hmm. time. Yeah, and that in that one example we were using about the, the poor kid who came to my door, who I've now made a <laughs> example of. Um, but just like you, you know that feeling. Yeah. You know that feeling of being like one question away from a lie being exposed and the shame you know you're going to feel. Yeah, and that's a terrible place to live. But when you start to live in reality, mm-hmm. you taste something totally different. And it's like, oh, I like this freedom. Yeah. I like not, I like, I like not feeling scared that someone's going to find out about something I'm hiding because I'm not hiding anything anymore, right. you know, and there's nothing bad to find out about, you know, we all sin, but it's like, there's nothing, there's nothing shameful anymore. Because I'm trying to live in reality and reality is not shameful. Right. You know, reality is is just real. <laughs> it, it just is. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's an act of trust. You know, I think underlying, even sort of before the cardinal virtues, we have this question of whether we accept God's grace, whether we, we have this, we put this existential faith in God that he is a good and loving father and that reality is worth remaining in, whether life mm-hmm. is worth living. I mean, that's that's a great act of trust, especially if you're in difficult places in your life, to decide, you know what, I'm going to be a person of reality. Reality is difficult. It has ups and downs. It has its, it has pain. It has difficulty. It has um, mystery, things we just can't understand yet. Mm-hmm. But to decide, to say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to trust you that you are good and that behind all this, at the end of all this, mm-hmm. is your providence. So I'm going to choose to live in reality and make a habit of that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that was my prayer quite a bit after our third child when I had, I had postpartum depression so bad and I didn't know what it was. And even then when I did know what it was, it's not like a light switch that you can just flip off postpartum depression. You have to take steps, um, to change what's off, you know, or what's off in your life, what's off in you biologically. And just being like, like I, desire to have many children now. Yeah. And that was not something I ever desired, but God put that desire in my heart. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, like after I got married, you know, and after my children, so this can't be bad. You know, um I I have to I have to trust that in moving through this and trying to make the right decision, um you know, and homeschooling too. Yeah. Cuz at that point people were like just put your kids in school, just, you know, and I'm like but we feel and are at peace with this homeschooling decision and I'm crazy right now, you know, or I'm experiencing like things I shouldn't be experiencing. Um, and to trust that in taking the next right steps mm-hmm. in our family, you know, it wasn't just me working out this postpartum depression. Yeah, you were actively, yeah. you made huge, huge prudential decisions about how, what we were going to do with our family and how you were going to sacrifice for our family. Um, and what came out of that, was truly a resurrection. Yeah. I mean, we talk about, I, I know we've talked about this before, but it is real. And it was real for us when we made those, those prudential virtue focused decisions in really hard times, times I didn't know how I was going to get out of. And I felt really ashamed for, you know, you get ashamed for being angry and being 
mad and being, you know, like just whatever I was going through with postpartum depression, it just making the right decisions. And then God comes through and makes your life far better than you could have ever imagined in the, the resurrection. I mean, the res like the resurrection isn't just Christ, Christ conquering death at that one time in history. It is really something he's offering us all the time, all the time, not just in a, a physical death or a physical suffering, but it's something he's offering to us all the time. Right. But it, it has a death associated associated with it. Yeah, that's how the ordinary no. is elevated. All those little moments, um, the, the the neutral, the boring, mundane ones, but also the really good ones and also the really difficult ones mm-hmm. that they can be offered back to God. And again, that's part of what the virtues give us here. They give us this framework and vocabulary for looking at our life very differently, seeing it not as a series of inconveniences, but a series of opportunities and an adventure. Again, that's that that Chesterton quote we've been carrying with us all the way through here, that in, an inconvenience is just an adventure wrongly considered, and we want to rightly consider them. Mm-hmm. So one final M here. We talked about the virtues as a as a measure and as a map and as uh, allowing us to identify the means and also giving us a taste, a motivating taste, you know, of what the Lord is calling us, to, wants to transform us into, and also as we practice the virtues, how they build us momentum. That was another, that was the fifth M. I don't know if I should have the sixth M. I've been, I've, I'm kind of waffling on whether Maybe it's you can help us model decide. or manifestation or mimetic or some words I like that came mimetic. To but that the virtues, if, if we want to be people that impact our children and each other and around us, that we want to, like most of us are, you know, we, again, we have people we care for. We want to help them. Well, how can we really help them is we have to, it's not just a matter of giving them words. We have to be something for them. Um, and so on this level is that, you know, if we want to, to to pass on the faith, certainly we have to share the words, but we really need to be, we need to imitate Christ in those people's mm-hmm. lives. We need to model it for them. We need to to give them an example that they can, uh, thinking specifically in terms of, of the family life, the best thing we can give to our children is to, is to, pursue virtue as individuals and have a good marriage. That's what we can give to our children yeah. is that model, that, that, uh, example. And so this is the thing I struggle with the most because uh-huh. I hear you have to be a model. You have to model things for your kids. You know, they're, they're, um, experiential learners and stuff like that. And I just want to purposefully not do that because yeah. someone has told me to do that. <laughs> but the word, actually the word mimetic. Mm-hmm. So, can you describe what that means? Oh my gosh. Is that Latin or Greek? I don't even know. I don't know. know. But like mime, miming? Well, mime, yeah, it would come from that. I don't know. You know. So it basically means learning that like. means you're imitating. Yeah, imitate. That's the word yeah, I was looking imitate, for. Yeah. So the the knowing little babies and knowing like even a newborn, like when I go to nurse a newborn for the first time, actually our, my midwives laughed at me this last time because I had my our brand new newborn mm-hmm. and I went to go nurse him for the first time. And I said, ah, like I made a, a big ah, you know, oh, like ah, and they were like, ha ha ha, he won't figure that out. And I'm like, yes, he will. You come back three days later. And when I open my mouth, that kid will open his mouth mm-hmm. and like learning, watching kids, they, they learn language. They learn habit. They learn everything because of whatever is going around them. You know, what work, what words, what sounds, what, you know, even movements of the mouth, movements of the face, habits, you know, ticks that other people have, whether you brush your teeth or not. Um, they soak that up through imitation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that has actually helped knock down my pride slightly right. because, um, you know, you always tell me like, I need to have a good attitude around the kids. Mm. And you're like, if you want them to have a good attitude, you have to have one. And I, it's like my pride just rears its head. But I was actually listening to Matt Frad the other day. He had a podcast episode on busyness or productive, like, like uh, breaking the idol of productivity. I think it was right. called. Right. And he said something in there that I think he was taking from St. Thomas Aquinas, where he said that this is a summary. Okay. But that it's a sin not to bring, to be the bearer of joy in a situation or to not bring joy into a situation. And that particular thought has been with me almost continuously. Like I fail at it sometimes, a lot of times, but just like, 
I am, I am sinning. Yeah. If when my kid comes to apologize to me and I'm like, fine, like mm-hmm. it's not just a Teresa's mad. People get mad. We all get mad. I'm mad right now. Right. Like, give me a few minutes. No, it's like, like I need, I have, it's my duty to bring joy to that situation. Even if I feel like a prideful, cold jerk right yeah. at this moment, like I have, I have my salvation depends on whether or not I actually bring, like I try to bring myself around and get out of that. And that's right. really hard for me in particular. You're a very like, you're a very compassionate person. Okay. Like you, like we're a, we're a little bit different. Okay. Like I know you see yourself from the inside and it's different how I see you from the outside. Yeah. But um, like I have a tendency to just get cold. Right. You know, I'm um, sorry. I got us way off track. No, it's so right. You no, finish this is, up. This is good. I mean, what, what I was thinking about with, you know, those examples that you gave is that, you know, we think about this idea of imitating Christ, imitating the saints, um, you know, part of this thing of virtue here is we, is we want to imitate others. We want to imitate others, but the virtues specify what's really going on in what we want to imitate. You know, like you might imitate the generous person strictly on the outside in terms of the physical things they do, you know, the picking up the money and giving it to somebody or, but you could, you could give charitably for instance, but be indulging a secret pride. The virtues identify the whole, the mm-hmm. whole, uh, of a virtue or a vice. They identify the whole action, not just what's happening on the outside, but what's happening on the inside. And so when, when we, when we look at Christ, we look at the saints, the virtues give us the whole thing, the whole phenomenon, the whole habit that we want to imitate, mm-hmm. not just the external, not just the words, not just the, the, the effects produced, but the whole internal disposition and habit. Mm-hmm. It gives us the actual thing we want to, we want to imitate in others. And that, if we practice and we develop that habit, that habit of soul, that virtue that we want our children to imitate in us. And again, so it's the, the virtues give us, they identify the whole reality, not just things that look courageous on the outside, but the whole movement, the whole habit of courage, not just being a person who, who says things that are true, but a person who turns to and tries to live in reality, even and especially the realities, the truths that are difficult for me. You know, um, the person who, who doesn't just not eat too much or not drink too much, but who, who knows on the inside, practices on the inside, a bringing together a, a, in harmony the different desires and orders and powers of, of the soul. Um, um, it, it, again, it's identifying the whole reality that we want to imitate in, in Christ and the saints and those realities we want to allow Christ to, to um, cultivate in us so that we share them with others, you know. I'm excited to get into this series, babe. Yeah. Thank you for persevering as a virtue, oh. persevering through this this kind of introductory episode. We, again, we really, this show, again, if you've been following it all, if you're intrigued, uh, interested in all in our theme, you know, the ordinary life, pursuing uh, pursuing holiness, trying to be saints for the rest of us. You know, we, we uh, lay people, whether you're single or married, you have kids, you have job, God in all those things and those ordinary things is giving us the opportunity uh, to, to, to grow in virtue and to be saints. We just have to see it. We have to identify it. And so we're going to talk about the virtues. We're going to dig into them. We're going to develop that map, that lens in order to see those opportunities and take more advantage of them. So sounds good. Yeah. Babe. Cool. Well, thank you again for joining us for this episode of Elevate Ordinary. Um, I think I always forget to to remind you this, but please, you know, like and subscribe, especially if you're interested in this series on the virtues, digging into virtue in ordinary life, family hit life. Hit that little virtue. bell. Hit the so bell. So you get the notifications. Like, subscribe, that whole thing. Uh, and even better, though, if you'd like to uh, download the Awaken app, you know, uh, go to theawakenapp.io. That's the best way to follow this and other shows by Awaken Catholic. And if you join the Awaken Nation by making a donation to uh, to Awaken Catholic at awakencatholic.org slash donate, um, there's special stuff for you in the app. But, you know, more importantly, most importantly, you're supporting our mission of sharing truth through beauty. And we really appreciate that. So uh, those are the two things I was supposed to say. Yeah. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of Elevate Ordinary. God bless. We'll see you next week. This show and all media on Awaken Catholic is made possible by the Awaken Nation and the Hollow app. The Awaken Nation is a community of people like you who support all things Awaken for as cheap as a cup of coffee a week and get access to exclusive content. Learn more by visiting awakencatholic.org slash donate.
Hollow is the only audio-guided Catholic prayer app focused on contemplative prayer and traditional Catholic meditation such as Lexio Divina, Daily Examine, and the Rosary. We here at Awaken all use Hollow every day and love it. To learn more or give it a try, visit hollow.app/awaken.